There are multiple ways to keep in touch with the Wolf Connection podcast. Through our Instagram handle, the Wolf Connection Pod, and for comments and questions, send us an email to podcast at wolfconnection.org with your comments, questions, and guest ideas for Stephen and myself. You may hear your question answered on an upcoming podcast. Thank you for your support and howls to you all. Welcome to the Wolf Connection Podcast. I'm your host, John Calvin. Let's talk about some more. So we've been admiring these photographs on this particular Instagram for a while now, and we're very excited to have this particular photographer on the podcast today. She is uh, she has her own website, Little Lightning Nature. If you don't follow her on Instagram, I highly advise that you uh, do so. Steve and I were checking through the photos we're going to discuss today, and they are uh, incredible. And we'll get to all of those. But she is Julia Cook. Julia, it's wonderful to meet you and see you uh, in person. How's everything going? Great. And thanks again for having me on. I'm excited to talk more and all things wildlife and wolves. So, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I was reading your bio before we started everything. And you really were in nature right from the jump. You lived right, right outside of Yellowstone. What, what was that like for you as a child to be immersed in that environment right off the bat and how did that play into you becoming a wildlife photographer? Yeah, so I grew up in Cody. And so it's kind of a running joke when we travel places. No one ever knows where Cody is. <laughs> so I always say like 50 miles away from Yellowstone. And then people kind of have a, a general idea. But I mean, being so close to Yellowstone, it's like the best part of growing up there. And, you know, every year on opening day, as for as long as I can remember, my family and I would like drive into the park and you know, go see the lower falls and, you know, drive through, look at the bison and just anything nature related in Yellowstone. And, you know, then in the summers going fishing and camping and just being around in nature. And to me, that was just like a normal childhood, you know, and even outside of Yellowstone, you know, just nature was always so close, even in town, basically that, you know, I'd go running around down the river below my house and it was just great being so submerged in nature. And to me, I didn't ever know anything different. So definitely was really influential for me. What was there any particular event that happened when you were young that you that sticks in your mind of, of going that was the that was the switch of saying I I want to be this photographer I want to share all the experiences that I have with everyone else was there something that that stuck with you when you were younger I mean I've always loved wildlife um, like ever since I was young and I didn't really get started in wildlife photography until like three or four years ago. Um, but I definitely think that I, I mean, I do wildlife photography just because I love wildlife so much, which definitely started as a young age. And, you know, I always say like, I don't remember seeing my first grizzly bear or like my first wolf, that it was always just something that like, you know, it was sort of normalized for me anyways. And so then traveling and talking to more people, I'm like, wow, that is like amazing that, you know, that all of that is just right there in my backyard and really wanting to then share that with people that don't really have as easy access to nature as I do. Yeah. What do you think it's like for you when somebody comments on a, a photograph of yours um, and it impacts them in a way that maybe you didn't think, because you're just taking these 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 beautiful photos, you're, you're showing them to the world. And what does it mean when someone actually comments and says, hey, this, this photo touched me in a certain way? What is that like for you as someone who goes and is able to share this stuff with, with everyone that's outside of your purview? Yeah. I mean, for me, it definitely brings in like another layer of like meaning to my photos that, you know, I like capturing like the emotions or or just day-to-day life of the animals that I photograph. But then when someone says something like that, or recently I had someone email me and say that they were planning a trip to Yellowstone just from seeing my photos, which was like 
really impactful for me to know that I'm, you know, influencing people to visit somewhere that I love so much. So it's definitely really cool and and really meaningful to me. So you're right now you're in Wyoming, you're, you're finishing up your studies, uh, environmental and natural resources. You're, you're getting your bachelor's. How, how are you looking to use, I guess, the education that you're getting to influence how you're doing your photography? Is there any correlation between that? Or is it something that you really are passionate about that you want to expand and expound upon? Yeah. So my degree is pretty unique that it's like kind of a blend between like communications and science. It's like really interdisciplinary. So for me, it's like much more of a focus on like, how do we educate people about the environment and kind of environmental communications to like the general public instead of a really, you know, scientific based audience. Um, So for me, I try to incorporate some of the things I've learned um, just through like even like social media and stuff like that to make stuff accessible to people and, and knowledge about wildlife in a way that's interesting, but also maybe a little bit creative as well. So what are some of the things that you're learning that you want to apply? So you're going, you're talking about social media. What's, what's something that you're, you're taking from the course that you're going to apply right away, even whether it's through, like I said, your photography or, or learning or showing other people how to, how to approach wildlife and be with wildlife in these in these awesome places like Yellowstone. Yeah, so one of my classes that I'm in right now, it's kind of like the senior capstone thesis class for my degree. And we're working a lot with like talking with local communities and trying to find problems within the state of Wyoming with management for outdoor recreation and, and wildlife and all sorts of different aspects with that. And trying to find different solutions to work with communities and make it really community-based solutions, which is definitely something that, I mean, I think I'm, I'm really interested in especially in Wyoming and especially in relation to wildlife. So trying to take some of the aspects that I've learned and apply it with photography and incorporate photography as a way to like get the wider message out about conservation needs and and different ways that we can uh, manage wildlife and just nature in general here in Wyoming. I'm just, I'm looking at your Instagram here and I, I just don't get it. It's amazing how like photography is hard in general. Like, I mean, there could be animals in your backyard and they're almost impossible to get good photos of, but yet you just have these stunning photos of all these, some just incredibly rare species that, I mean, what do you look for before you go out? Are you scouting? Are you using a, a digital map? Like how do you select locations? And then what's your process? You're out there before sunrise, you're out there after sunset. I mean, a lot of these animals are crepuscular how just describe how you're how you're you're making your way to these locations and choosing these locations and scouting for these animals and 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 setting yourself up to get these kinds of just incredibly rare shots i think growing up in the area was definitely like really influential when i was starting out just as far as like knowing where wildlife is um so i think that could be kind of a leg up compared <laughs> to someone who is completely new in the area um but really just going off of trends as to like where I see wildlife and and different times of day as well. Definitely mornings and evenings tend to be the best, especially like lighting wise, but same with like wildlife activity. And in Yellowstone, definitely less crowded as well. So most days, I'm not really a morning person. I usually say that I'm not a morning person (laughs) unless I'm getting up to go see bears or something. Um, Most of the time, you know, I I leave town, you know, three or four in the afternoon in the middle of the summer Mm. and, and go just for like the late evening and be driving home in the dark. Um, Occasionally I'd go for like the full day, you know, before sunrise clear until after sunset. Um, But less frequently than I just do the afternoons. I I tend to think that the afternoons are better in terms of wildlife activity. um, But that's just my experience. 
Yeah. So, I mean, you have a picture here of three moose on a ridge. I mean, how did, how do you get that photo? Yeah. So that was, kind of, that was an interesting kind of scenario. I, I was down in the Tetons hoping to photograph moose and that's kind of the big animal that I go there to photograph. There's more moose down there than in Yellowstone. And they were all kind of grouped together in, in maybe like 12 or 15 moose all in a cluster. So it wasn't great for photos. Um, and I, I tend to like the close up portraits just cause you can kind of see like a more, the yeah. emotions of that animal. So it wasn't great for that. I just decided to hang out a little bit and, and see what would happen. And the moose kind of gradually started working their way up the hillside. And I was like, please line up in a line and, and don't get all you know clumped together. And they finally did. And the three were all lined up like that, wow. which I think was a nice kind of environmental shot. And the moose were listening to me in that moment. Yeah. I mean, but also, so you have this fox that is in the middle of hunting. And I, I mean, I'm sure a lot of folks have seen fox in the wild, but to to be in such a position where one is actively hunting and you're getting this incredibly clear and sharp photo of it, you had to have been sitting somewhere for a long time waiting for this to happen or you you scout, you know there's a fox in the area that lives in the area and so then you you continuously go back to to set up to try to get this or that's kind of what I'm getting at is you know that like that moment right there i mean i've been to yellowstone and seen fox just off in the in the distance in a snowstorm and i've been like wow man i'd love to be close enough to get that photo but as soon as i move that thing's going to be i mean rightfully so out out of there so yeah. how do you set up for something like that i mean you're just waiting a long time or you keep revisiting the site or so most of my fox photos actually are from like the same family group of foxes um there's a mate here that i i've seen quite frequently over the last like 2 years in the same general area and often they'll they'll cross the road and kind of cut into a little open meadow before going back into the trees. <laughs> so I photographed several different times, and this specific photo of the fox midair was one that I had really wanted. But there was either like not enough snow, or you know there'd be their rear end towards me and not a side profile. Um, so on this particular day, this was actually the last day that Yellowstone was open for the season this wow. last winter. So I was kind of just driving around hoping to see something, and one of the foxes ran across the road in front of me. So I stopped my car and kind of got out and was watching as it was mousing in this meadow. And I got out and, and was able to photograph it a, a few different times. So it was really cool. I just can't, like photographers like you who are get these kind of photos, I just can't help but think to be in the right place at the right time to kind of attract these moments in these places. I just can't help but think there's like a, there's some magic there. But I mean, just, a, just awesome photos. That Fox one is really, really, I mean, they're all amazing. They're, they're unreal. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. No, I, I agree. There's it's almost like you guys have an energy. I think it's Steven's way. Yeah. It's just that you guys are, like you say, in the right place in the right time with the right sunlight. It just, it's amazing. The, the, it seems easy and I know it's not easy because we, because we, we try to take pictures of, of our, of our pack that's in a sanctuary that's in habitats or dens. And it's, it sometimes is nearly impossible. And yet you guys are out in the elements taking these in, these incredible shots. I mean, we might as well jump jump because we're talking about photos. We might as well go right into it. I mean, first of all, want to congratulate you on because you got the cover of Outdoor Photographer. And I, I was showing Steven this before and he was like, this is a, this shot is just wild. Um, and those of you that are listening, you, you can look along. So we're going to have these three photos uh, in the post and also in the description. So you guys, please take a look at these so you, you get what we're talking about. But the first one is it's a collared wolf with this raven that is, I mean, a foot, maybe two feet over, over top of this thing. 
and it's it's in mid-flight. Just describe to everyone that scenario, like Stephen was saying, like where you were at, how that all came about, and and just what it what it took for that shot to just come into focus for you, and and ultimately you got this beautiful this beautiful shot. Yeah. So this was last winter in Yellowstone, and I had actually skipped a week of school because I wanted to go up to Yellowstone for my birthday. And in the end, I'm glad I did. <laughs> and I have no regrets for skipping that week of school. Um, yeah. <laughs> this photo was actually on my birthday. And I had spent like, I mean, a week seeing absolutely nothing. It was like dead quiet in Yellowstone. I had like photographed bison and that was about it. Um, and so I, was, I really wanted to photograph wolves and ended up seeing the Wapiti Lake Pack. And they had taken down a deer kind of in this little like creek bed, kind of in a little gully. And by the time I got there, they had like pretty well picked it over and the pack had like retreated up onto the ridgeline where they were like napping and occasionally would kind of come and sit on the ridge and look back down towards the carcass, which is what the wolf in this photo was doing. And since it had been pretty picked over, the raven started to fly in. Um, so I just had my camera up trying to get a portrait of this wolf when this raven flew directly over the wolf. And what I really love is that Neither one of them seems like bothered that the other one's there, but they're both looking in the same direction down towards this carcass. And I don't know, I, it's one of my favorite photos that I've taken and just the story of it and kind of shows to me how connected wolves are to every element of, of the natural world. What do you think makes this photo n- noteworthy? Like, Why do you think this photo, you know, is, is, is impactful? Because it clearly is, but what, 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 as, the, as the person who captured it. What what do you think makes this photo noteworthy and special? I think for me, like growing up in Wyoming in like every science class, we always, you know, hear about the reintroduction of the wolves, which like was obviously really, really important to the whole ecosystem. But there's not like not really any context. It's just like facts of, you know, the wolves came and this happened and, and this happened. But it it almost is like the wolves are connected to everything, but like in a really like not very natural way or like not in a deep, meaningful way that they're just there because they're supposed to be. But for this photo, to me, it, it shows just how deep the connections run between wolves and every other animal in the Yellowstone ecosystem. And the relationship that they have with the ravens is one that I've always been so fascinated with, that the ravens will follow the wolves to, to kills and, and kind of pick off their their carcasses. And it's just something that like, I've always wanted to see and had never really seen before this, let alone to be able to photograph it. So it was a really cool moment. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's... What is that? Because you you were touching a little bit on your uh, that you always wanted to photograph wolves, and you have. And Stephen's not wrong. I mean, we're just I'm scrolling through and looking stuff as he's as he's talking with you. I mean, your bears, I think, were one of the things that you you had mentioned in your in your bio that you you love photo, uh, photographing bears, and you have some awesome grizzly shots. What's the what's the attraction with well, I guess for both wolves and bears because they're they are different, but they're equally as important on the landscape. So what was the, was it a parallel draw or attraction to both or was, or did the bear feed into the wolf or vice versa? How did that kind of go for you in terms of looking for these specific species and and falling in love in terms of taking uh, photographs of them? I think for me, it's that they're both really, really misunderstood animals and especially like the way that they're portrayed in like the media through like movies and, and stuff like that. They're both really misunderstood and I think for me, photographing them has been like a way to show people like, you know, the, the true bear, or the true wolf that, you know, their bears aren't really like stalking you in the woods and, you know, like people think that they are. And they have all these interesting and intricate relationships and behaviors and they all have unique personalities, 
which for me has been something that I've really enjoyed being able to photograph. Yeah, I mean, when you, I, I want to touch on the the second one since we're we're on the photos, so I want to I can keep that rolling. You, you the second one you sent us, it's a, it's this collared wolf that's kind of like right behind a tree, and just sort of it looks like it's off the side. I don't know if it was alone for that moment or what was. Again, just describe that experience. What was that? What were you feeling in that moment? It was it was it a different uh, season? Was where was that one being taken, and what was the story behind that particular shot that you were able to to grab? Yeah, so that's actually one of my first photos that I have of wolves that I was like happy with, and that was two years ago, I think. <laughs> and all summer, I was like, I have to photograph wolves, and I mean, I was just chasing wolves all summer, and never. I mean, I'd be somewhere like an hour after the wolves were there, and it was like so close every single time, but I just kept missing them. And so finally I said, I'm, I'm done chasing the wolves. I'll just, if I see one, I'll see one. And this was the very next day, which was really pretty cool to me that I was like, finally, I, I saw my wolf, but it was in an area where I had never really seen wolves before. And it was in this like middle of July, which is not really a great time to see wolves either. And it was pretty late in the evening and I saw something run across the road. And at first I thought it was a deer and then realized it was a wolf. So I stopped my car and jumped wow. out and I got this one photo before the wolf ran away, which to me was a really successful encounter with photographing wolves because it was obviously not habituated and, and still very fearful of, wolf, of people, which was definitely a good sign to know that it, it is a really wild wolf. And also the fact that it has a collar on. I know a lot of people complain about having the collars on wolves and, and a lot of people will edit them out of their photos. But to me, that's just become such like a normal part of the reintroduction of wolves and it just shows how successful they've been. With the reintroduction, I mean, I think you kind of just you you started answering it there that it, you you almost gave up looking for the right wolf photo, and then it just sort of happened. But does it happen often that you get a great photo, or at least the 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 moment is there, but the you're just too far away to make it work? I mean, it's just it's it's blurry, it's pixelated. I mean, you've got to be pushing camera settings sometimes, and still having to push the the detail in post editing to get this kind of sharpness out of photos this far? I mean, does it happen often that you're just like looking through thousands of photos and they're just, you're just, it's just too far away? Yeah. Most of the time, actually, when I see wolves, they're so far away and through binoculars or spotting scopes that I won't even like attempt to photograph them, but I will, you know, stay a while and, and look and they're up to. So it's maybe two or three times a year that I'm able to get wow. good photos of wolves. So not very often. It's just time. It's just ded dedication and going out constantly. Yeah. I mean, what's the um, before we get to the, the the third one that that you sent us? What's because I'll I'll pick on, I'll, I'll get Stephen here because he usually asks this question. But what's the gear that you're using? Because are you are you using the long a long range lens? Are you are you Canon Nikon? I mean, we kind of it's it's cool to kind of hear what photographers in the field are using. So what's your what's your camera of choice and and all the things that you're you're using when you're out there? Yeah, so I use a Canon R5, which has been great because of the autofocus on it. And also it has such high resolution that I can crop in a lot farther to get kind of some of those close-up photos when a wolf wasn't necessarily as close as it looks like it was. And then I've recently started using a Canon 300 millimeter f2.8 lens um, and often with teleconverters with that. Um, so I'm excited to, to get that into Yellowstone this spring and, and <laughs> photograph some bears and wolves and everything with that. Do you, do you photograph in other places? I mean, I, obviously the Tetons and Yellowstone have to be the best spot in town, but do you have other places? Do you like to shoot photos that you've had, you've had good outcomes? Yeah. Mostly Yellowstone and the Tetons and the surrounding national forests as well. But every fall I try to go down to Rocky mountain national park in Colorado 
to photograph the elk rut down there. And there's definitely some places I'd like to go photograph wildlife that I haven't yet. And this last fall, I went up to Alaska for about a month and photographed up there, which was incredible. What did you, what did you photograph up in Alaska? Mostly bears was, was what I was after up there, which was incredible. <laughs> did, I, I've heard that, I've heard that when you're shooting grizzlies or, or when you're shooting brown bears and, and they're, they're eating salmon, they kind of just don't care that you're there. It was, has that been your experience? Like you were able to shoot them without them. There's so much food. They're not concerned. Yeah. It was really interesting comparing the way that you're able to photograph bears in Yellowstone compared to Alaska. Cause in Alaska, they have so much salmon that they like, don't care that you're there. They can walk like right past you and, and it's totally safe because they, they don't care. Whereas in Yellowstone, it's, they're a lot more aggressive because they don't have that, that's food source with the salmon. So it was kind of jarring for some, like this bear can walk like a couple yards past you and that's it's fine, unnerving. but yeah. it is. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. incredible. What's the, what was one? So you were getting them. So was it the, is it called the, not the salmon rope? What's it called? Were, were you up there when the, when the salmon were coming up? Yeah. Were you up there yeah. f- for that? Yeah. So you were up there for that. Man. How wild is that just to see? I, Cause I always see it on National Geographic and just the salmon themselves, like take the bears out of the picture, but the amount of salmon that are flying up these, these river, like to me in and of itself, that's gotta be an incredible view just to see in and of itself. Yeah, it was incredible. And I started out in Juneau where that was the first place that I saw the salmon run. And I mean, it like blew my mind that a friend of mine and I went down to a a creek to look at the salmon and, you know, we were standing in the water and the fish would be like bumping into our legs and and you couldn't even see the bottom of the creek because there were just so many fish. It was crazy. Wow. So they're not working that hard to get calories, bears. Yeah, it's pretty easy. The cool cool part about... (laughs) Like I'm, I'm looking at this other one here. Um, yeah, this is Alaska. Yeah, salmon. So there's a bear with a there's a, a grizzly bear with a, a a salmon in its mouth. It's really cool because oh yeah, you you get this unusual. I mean, from a photographer standpoint, you get this unusual like red and green like pop of color from a bear from a bear photo that just makes it look so unique. Thank you. I know. We're just going to, by the way, if you're Instagram following, <laughs> yeah, you got it. Way. I mean, you got it. You, got it. <laughs> but you, you have a definitely, it looks like, I don't, I don't know, but it looks like you have like a, th- a thematic, like you have a theme of, of how you like to edit, or at least it's just the recent ones. Maybe it's just cause it's winter. It's very like, it has that cooler blue white balance. And it looks like maybe you remove like yellow a lot of times from the, from the images. Is that, is that for just a reason or you just like how this like icy look is? I try to like post my photos from like the season and like I try to look at like the overall like most dominant colors in photos. So for winter, it's mostly like the white and blues. Blue, yeah. And I try to like kind of alternate them. So it kind of, you know, like unifies my Instagram feed and same with like the summer between like green and, and yellow and, and stuff like that. So that's wild. Yeah. And and the ungulates that you have, I mean, some of these elk these elk photos, these, these Ram photos. I mean, goodness, they're just sit on, <laughs> I could sit on the Instagram. I could sit on your, your page all day and just look at this stuff. Cause it's so it's it's really enveloping and really, you really give the feel of that. You're looking or this animal is either looking at you or you're in this scene with them. So that's something else that clearly you're, yeah, you're really, really good at doing it. Yeah. And these mountain goats, I mean, they have to be in wild places to, I mean, when we were in Yellowstone last with the podcast, I got a photo of uh, of some goats, and it's—I mean, you might as well not even 
telling i mean they're not even there in terms of i mean you just see like a mountainside because they're on this cliff basically that it would take you hours to get up there in the first place um and you'd hope that they were there but i mean how do you how are you chasing goats like this how do you come across i mean these goats are in wild spots yeah so most of my goat photos have been from the beartooth mountains which is just outside of yellowstone kind of between on the border of wyoming and montana and it's definitely driving that it's like my favorite drive anywhere around yellowstone you can see like forever and it's incredible but driving up there um the snow doesn't melt for so long so most of my photos have been like june july but there's still that much snow there um and so trying to like find a white goat on like a (laughs) white white snow snow. background (laughs) sometimes challenging but there i mean I always say bears and wolves are my favorite, but there's something about the mountain goats too. They just have, I don't know, their facial expressions. They're so charismatic. Yeah. I love them. Wow. They are really cool. That's wild. That is awesome. Um, the last one, the last wolf photo you gave us that that you you shared was uh, it's it's the Wapiti. It's that the pack, which I, this one is to me is awesome because you have a, it looks like you got three, I think there's three black phases and the rest are grays, uh, grays and timbers. But it just, again, I think like Steven was saying, the colors are so vibrant. It just in that, in that pack in and of itself. And that, and I just noticed now, I noticed it before and I want to bring it up too, is you had the one wolf sort of standing off to the side that, what was this like for you to take, to, to find this and to, and grab this, this photo as well, because to get, you know, a pack of wolves there is, is pretty, you know, obviously it's tough to get one, but to get multiple in there to get them in play has got to be awesome. Yeah. So this was like two years ago and still by far like the best wolf watching day that I've had. I mean, it was incredible. It was almost the entire Wapiti Lake pack, which at the time was like 30 something wolves. And to start out, I mean, there were just a couple. And as I, I mean, I watched them for several hours and it'd be like, here comes a couple more wolves. And the wolves kind of just kept appearing out of the trees and, it was just so amazing to watch them interact with each other and greet each other and, and play. And most of the time they were just napping. Um, but I mean, it was an incredible day and I'm so grateful f- to my friend Kate who was there and texted me about it. And that's the only reason I would have missed it. Otherwise, if she hadn't let me know, <laughs> yeah, it was a great day. And there were a couple other people there as well. And, you know, some, some tourists that were stopping to, you know, see what we were looking at. And to me, it was just like the whole day was just like, this is how, you know, wolves can bring people together. And at one point there was like a elementary age kid that came up and was asking and he goes, I wanted to come to Yellowstone and all I wanted to see were wolves and hear the wolves and you know, was rambling off all of these facts about wolves. And I mean, it was just great seeing how everyone was just equally as excited that the wolves were there. So it was a great day. I mean, what is that? What does it mean for you to be able to share your, your passion for wolves and, and photographing them with, like you said, you had an elementary school kid there just to have that community type feeling whenever you're out. Is that, do you find that as a benefit? Is, is it something that you've, you're fully enveloped in now and that you're, you're part of this large reaching faction of individuals that are really tending to these wild animals and making sure that they're being able to be viewed for all? Yeah. So, I mean, I love talking to people and just hearing people come from everywhere to Yellowstone. And a lot of them, you know, just want to see Old Faithful and in the canyon and all that and kind of more or less rush around from, you know, can't miss location to the next, but there's a large amount too, that just come really specifically for wildlife. And again, like specifically for wolves too. And especially people that like, you know, have had heard on the news and saw all the news 
live of the reintroduction then have now years later come to see the wolves in Yellowstone. It, it, I mean, it's amazing talking to people and just seeing how you don't have to live somewhere like Yellowstone to feel that same connection with wolves and, and wild animals just in general, which has been really powerful for me. Your the goal on your, I, I saw this and I had to write this down and I, I want to read it back to you. The goal on your website is you, you want to capture impactful images of native wildlife that highlights the wildness of the American West. Where, where does that feeling for you come from? Is that something from childhood or is that something that you've grown into that you've, that you want to put out into the world now that you're an established photographer? I think kind of a mix of both. As far as like growing up, I feel like I definitely took Yellowstone for granted as a kid. And like, I loved it, but I think that I didn't realize how lucky I was to like live there. And like, definitely as a kid too, I think I very much was like ready to graduate high school and like leave and not like stay in Wyoming, which switched once I got into photography. I was like, now I'm to the point. I'm like, I'm never leaving Wyoming. I mean, I love it here. But being able to take photos that show kind of the deeper emotions and connections and behavior of these animals and just put that out for people to be able to see and and know that these wild places still exist and try to like inspire others to get out in nature, even if it's just like a local park wherever they live, and also trying to inspire people to contribute to like different conservation efforts for wildlife. What do you what's your take on because you are you're a native Wyoming. What what is your take on a lot of the legislation that goes on? Because clearly, it's always in the news. You're you're in the part of the West where there's legislative battles back and forth, and obviously, and you're studying something that is impactful in terms of environment and natural environmental natural resources. What do you? How do you feel that you're able to impact? Like, what's your feeling on it? And then, how do you feel you're able to impact change going forward? Because it's. A lot of these things are so political. A lot of it is so divisive. How do you see yourself as a as a conduit for the wildlife side of it? I mean, I definitely try to post photos that show more like the real the realness of bears and wolves that they're again not like what the media always kind of portrays them to be. But also trying to like put a, a message with you know just news of what's going on in the state. Um, I recently posted a photo of a bear and talking just my thoughts on the whole push to delist grizzlies in Wyoming, which. I don't know. It's it's really complicated because I feel like it's a valid argument when they go off of the numbers. They say that, you know, the population has surpassed the initial goal, which it's like, well, that's good. That should be celebrated. But the automatic response shouldn't just be like, well, now we can hunt them again, you know. And I feel like the whole way that we manage wildlife kind of needs to be modernized. That for the longest time, I think hunting was really the main way that people interacted with wildlife, which it isn't really anymore, but the management doesn't really reflect that. And or reflect the fact that wildlife has even more monetary value when it's alive than than necessarily for for trophy hunting or something like that, which I don't think state management really even acknowledges at all. Yeah, yeah, it, it's interesting because you yourself, Kate Oxman, Arthur Leffo, the the this the band of photographers that we've had on this podcast already really embody this this message of coexistence and ethical photography and not baiting. And it's really refreshing because I'm sure there are photographers out there and I, I'm not poo-pooing on anybody's parade here, but just the fact that you all stay true to the wildness of every shot that you're looking to take and you're not really, you know, endangering this, whatever animal it is that you're trying to take just for the sake of getting the shot. 
Um, and it really just shows, Stephen has mentioned, energetically, these animals are just putting them in place, putting themselves in place for you. And you're just able to grab these, these incredible shots. I mean, it's gotta be now that you're a couple years into it or two or three years in, is it, is, does it feel easier for you or is it still a grind to get to the places that you want to get to, or does it just feel like a, something that you love to do more often than not? I think most of it, I mean, like I said, I, I do it because I love the wildlife and every single day when I head into Yellowstone, it's just the sense of joy that I get of having absolutely no idea what could happen, but the thing could happen is like, I mean, it's almost addicting. Like I love that feeling having no idea what could happen, but you know, just trying to put myself in the best place to get photos. And I think now trying to think more of like different unique ways that I can photograph wildlife in a different sense that I have previously you know, whether that's different interactions between different species or the same species, we're just trying to put a unique spin on kind of the same kind of photos that I have captured in the past is kind of my goal going forward. Hmm. So what's your, if you were to give advice to someone who's getting into photography, they want to capture wildlife, what's, what's a piece of advice or a couple pieces of advice you would give them if they were just starting out? Would it be about equipment? Would it be about the ethical side, what's the, what's the thing that, that Julia Cook would say to an up and coming photographer? I think definitely stressing the importance of like knowing the species that you want to photograph and, and doing all you can to research their behavior, their diet, their body language is huge, especially going into the, the ethical component and being able to read body language and identify when an animal could be a little bit stressed and, and then pulling your presence away to keep that animal be behaving as naturally as you can. And just, I think if you kind of go out blindly and have no idea what you're after, your chances of being successful are a lot lower than, you know, if you have a specific goal in mind and, and have done your research to, to be successful in that. So when you're doing, did you do a deep dive on bears and wolves? And was that your, your ultimate focus? And did it spill over obviously into the elk, the moose, the coyote, the fox, everything else? Was that that was, did you learn how to do that first off? And then you you go, oh, this is easy. It's just, I'm going to replicate the process as I'm going to shoot these different species, capture these different species. I think I learned more about the animals first, but I don't think it was intentional. Like I was definitely that little kid that was like always reading, you know, some science book and like rambling off random facts. So I think a lot of that I had just been, in, had an interest in since I was a kid and had always just kind of been learning gradually about, you know, different facts about the wildlife that I loved and then kind of incorporating that into my photography once I got into photography. And then just also talking to other people as well and, and hearing other people's experience and the advice that they have as well. And even just as simple as, you know, I, I saw a bear last week at this time and, you know, stuff like that is really, really helpful as well. Just kind of getting a comprehensive view of, you know, what's happening and when. Well, who, if anyone, was there an influence for you photography wise or just wildlife wise that you followed that you because obviously your own individual the way that you shoot the way you edit the way you you capture but did anyone stand out for you in the very beginning about the way you wanted to approach this type of career and get into this sort of this wildlife photography uh, wildlife photography uh, angle yeah. So when I was in high school, my biology teacher and environmental studies teacher was Amy Gerber, who's become a good friend of mine now. And she's a professional wildlife photographer. And so in high school, she'd always take 
kids on a trip to Yellowstone, usually like the freshman biology classes and a lot of kids that had never been to Yellowstone before, which was a great way to like, you know, people that have never been to show them, you know, what's in their backyard. Um, so I did that through high school and every year would kind of just like tag along on every trip that she would take with kids. And then I went on a couple of field courses with her to Costa Rica and the Bahamas doing conservation work. And so then once I kind of started getting into photography, she was a big inspiration and definitely helped me. And I think was part of the reason I got hooked so quickly is she and I went to on a trip down to the Tetons in the spring of 2020, trying to photograph bears. And we photographed, I don't know, like 20 something bears in like two days, which was crazy. But just seeing, you know, what well, the, what's possible, like I never really thought of photography as being anything other than a hobby before that. And I think from there, I was definitely really hooked. And just, you know, we never really talked about like technical settings or anything, but just the different ways that you can think about wildlife photography and, and learning that from her has been great. Man. When, uh, when you're out there, what's, is it something that brings you uh, peace and tranquility that you get away from, or like, what, what is the the general emotion that you feel once you're, once you're out there? Because a lot of people will maybe listening and say, boy, that's, it's a lot for me to just get photographs of my family at a, <laughs> at a, at a party or something like that. But I, they hear about the stories of photographers sitting out there for hours and hours and hours just to get a, one shot out of hundreds or thousands that, that are being taken. What is it, mean for you to have that that time out there because it's it, it's through you since a young age but what's something that you can exp- how can you explain it to someone who may not be able to understand that type of commitment or that type of development into an environment like that i think when i was first starting out I, there was like different photos that i had in my mind that i re- really wanted to photograph and kind of became obsessed with those to the point where if i left yellowstone without having really photographed anything I kind of got bummed out and I was like, it was a waste of a day. But now I'm like, well, you know, I, I sit somewhere waiting for a bear and her cubs to come out and she doesn't, but I still sat there all day, like in the sun by a river, you know, it is really calming and, and really peaceful and trying to center that as being like, you know, I, maybe I didn't photograph anything, but it was still a good day. I was still out in nature doing what I love and just could have as easily been, you know, in an office on a computer or something. <laughs> right. So definitely putting that into perspective. And then for, Wolves for you, what does it mean? I, I know you've said it in many different ways, but for wolves, what's the, what's the, I, I know it's conservation. I know it's everything else on a, on a level. What do they, they mean to you um, that they're out there that you're able to photograph them, that they've been part of this reintroduction story and they're, they're starting to expand across the West and that that you're a part of, sharing these stories of the Wapi pack or the junction pack and things of that sort that you're, you're telling their story. Do you ever, do you think about it in that way? I do. And, and just like, I mean, I'm not as good with, with wolves as saying, well, that's number blah, 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 or whatever. But as far as like packs go and, and telling the story of packs and especially like the Wapi pack and, and the legacy that they've had going back generations of, of wolves has been incredible to kind of follow that along and kind of be a part of that and, and telling their story. And kind of moving it beyond like just the reintroduction. I mean, everyone always talks about that because it's been so successful. But, you know, what what are the future of wolves now? Like, are we only going to confine them to the Yellowstone area? Or, you know, are there goals going forward to have them move into other areas where they haven't been for for 100 years? So I, I think about that a lot and trying to 
just give people a different perspective on wolves and, and hoping that people can kind of see a compromise either way. I don't think I touched on this, but little lightning nature, where did that come from? Yeah. So my mom called me that as a kid, little <laughs> lightning. And I don't really know why. I don't think I've ever asked, but I just thought it was kind of cool. And I didn't want to be the generic person that's like Julia Cook photography or, you know, whatever. I wanted something a little bit more creative. <laughs> I like so it. I went with that. No, I dig it. No, our parents usually come with some, with some pretty cool nicknames sometimes, yeah. um, but that's great. I mean, it, it's played into all of your, your work. Um, how do, so just give everybody the, the places where they can see, are you selling any uh, photographs at the moment? Are they able to go to your website, look at your Instagram? Like where's a place that if people listen to this and they, one, they're going to look at those, those three photos that we spoke about among others with the Fox and everything else. Just give everybody your your website, your your social details. Where where can they follow you and, and check out all this amazing work that you're doing? Yeah, so I do have prints listed on my website, which is littlelightningnature.com. Um, I post the most on Instagram, which is julia.littlelightningnature. And I, I try to post a couple times a week on there. And then when I'm out in the field in Yellowstone, posting stories on you know what I've seen, what I'm doing that day, stuff like that. So that's definitely the best place to, to see my work and stay up to date on everything. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to have all those details in the in the description. Um, my last question for you, Julia, is when you hear the word wolf, what is the thing that comes to your mind? I just uh, think of I, they're just so wild in a sense that like not really anything else is, at least for me. And like as a kid, I have like a few memories of seeing wolves um, that I remember. And it again, not very often. So to, to me, wolves are just like like the ultimate wild thing in the sense that you don't see them very often, which makes it even more worthwhile and, and exciting when you do. We, we've heard that a couple of times and it's, it resonates differently every time. And it's fascinating that with all the wild things that are around the, around the globe or even on this continent that the wolf still embodies that, that it is the one thing that people say make, that truly encapsulates wild. Um, and it's just, it's great to hear that every time that, that people from all different walks of life are just saying, man, if I'm out there, if I'm out and I'm, I'm hunting for whatever it is, turkey or quail or whatever, or whatever it is, or deer. And they go, if I know that wolves are around, Steven has said this a couple of times, he goes, that's the true essence of it being wild. Um, so that's just awesome that, that you feel that way. And, you know, and, and it shows in your work. So anybody who, you. you know, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So the, for those of you, we'll have all those links in the description. So you guys can check out Julia's webpage. You can check out her social media and really just, uh, follow along on her journeys because man, she goes to some really, uh, amazing places, grab some of these amazing shots. And, uh, Julia, can't thank you enough for, for joining Steven and I and, and sharing all your stories, your personal journey, and, and just these incredible uh, photos with everyone. Yeah, thank thanks you. for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. How's to you all out there, and we'll be with you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye bye. Looking to support Wolf Connection or sponsor one of the wolves in our pack? Just go to wolfconnection.org, click on the donate tab, and find out more information.